following message is from Narrative Church, a Lutheran church located in Williamson County, Texas. For more information, go to www.narrative.church. As I was prepping the sermon series this year, and I was thinking about um, what are we going to do? How are we going to dive into this? And one thing someone suggested as a joke, and then I said, we take everything seriously here at Narrative Church, no joking, is saying, what if we took a gospel and we worked backwards on it? What if we said, we know the story, but what if instead of doing it from the infant, from the birth, what if we started at who Jesus was and what he is and works backwards? Now I thought, that's novel, that sounds like fun, and you know what, it'll keep people on their toes. But as I dove into it, I realized this is gonna be a really great way for us as a church to take a second and look at the mission and ministry of Jesus. And as we work backwards, it gives us a chance to say, listen, we know the end point, we know where he came to, and actually as we work backwards, we get to see how important that was, these things that he's done, because we say this is where he got. So now instead of looking forward to what's next, we're going, we know what happened, and so we start working our way backwards. We start looking and saying, okay, we're going to start at the ascension and we'll end, this will go through the Advent season too, we'll end at the birth of Jesus. So we're just calling the sermon series Cross to Cradle. Now we're doing that because that's nice wordplay. We're starting at the ascension and I couldn't figure out ascension to, you know, after birth, I don't know, like, exactly. See, that's why we didn't do it. So we're going to work our way this way. And we're going to work our way backwards. So over the next couple months, as we get to Christmas, we'll spend our time in the book of Luke. So if you're looking to say, I really want to read through something until Christmas, we'll have a reading plan up for you on the website tomorrow that you can say, I can do the book of Luke from here until Christmas and dive in. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, we give you thanks that we as your people can be here. We can learn about you. Lord, as we go backwards through your life, may we rejoice in who you are. May the works of your life teach us about our lives. In your son Jesus' name, amen. The ascension is a very important part of the story of Jesus. It's a very important part of who he is and what his mission is, but I think a lot of times it becomes an afterthought. It's kind of like, we got Christmas, we got Easter, great. And then Jesus ascended, you know, sweet. And if you grew up in um, a church that followed more strictly to the church calendar, what you'll find is that every 40 days after Easter, you celebrate ascension. And it's actually a really great thing to the point that the church, as it started out and in earlier days, ascension was celebrated in the same way as Christmas or Easter. It was a very important part of the life of the church. It was what we would call a high feast day. Now, what's tricky about ascension that hasn't really happened is that people haven't figured out how do we market ascension? Right, Christmas, we can mark it. Put up a tree. Talk about jolly old St. Nick. Buy presents. Sweet, we can market it. The holiday becomes a big deal. 
Easter got a little trickier because you go, okay, this is Jesus rising from the dead. That's a little weird. That's a little, okay, whatever, zombie Jesus. We'll use a rabbit, right? We'll just stick a rabbit out there, but that rabbit lays eggs, right? So we're gonna have this rabbit who shows up and he's gonna be all around hanging out and this will be great. This will be perfect. When you get to ascension, it gets a little weirder, right? Because, okay, Jesus being born, that's strange. Easter, we got the rabbit. What are you gonna have? The ascension crocodile? You know, I don't know. But the ascension is a very strange thing because, okay, we can kind of get on board with the birth. Even though it's a virgin birth, we're like, okay, that's something we can rejoice in. That's something we can build a, a secular idea around. When you get to Easter, it's like, okay, that's great. We can market for that. But you get to the ascension and it's like, and then he disappeared into the heavens. Well, I don't know how we can do that. And so I think what's happened a little bit is as our culture has taken over, well, not taken over is a strong word, has played up the more um, mystical aspects of Christmas and Easter that can become a bigger deal, that happens. But ascension has ended up kind of taking a back seat. But for us, the ascension is actually a very important piece of the story. It's an incredible piece of who Jesus is and what he's done. And it's incredibly important. Because it brings us to this place of seeing, and especially as we look back, that this is a key piece of Jesus' mission to us. Well, if you could pull up this first verse. So from the book of Luke, these are the first two verses um, of our reading today. And he led them out as far as Bethany. And lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. Now it's fascinating, the idea of the ascension, that Jesus spends these 40 days after he... Easter, after rising again, he's talking, he's eating, he's spending time with his followers. Now, this little piece here, and he led them out as far as Bethany. It's so much fun when I'm writing a sermon and I come across something I didn't know. Because the idea of Bethany, that just cl like clicked for me, because we get a lot of stories around Bethany because Mary, Martha, and Lazarus they're from Bethany. So we get some stories in scripture in and around that place. But when I looked up and I was like, I want to see where Bethany is in relation to Jerusalem, just so I know. And as I pulled it up and I said, Jesus, Bethany, Ascension, right? The old Google workhorse popped up, pulled up an image, and I'm looking at this map. And it's the map of the triumphal entry. So as Jesus enters into Jerusalem, as he comes in on Palm Sunday, he comes from Bethany and comes in through the Mount of Olives, through the gate to the Temple Mount. 
Now, all we really get is that he leads them out as far as Bethany. So I don't know if that day he started at the temple and then worked his way out to Bethany, but I love the way that God works that this poetic beauty of saying the day he enters as the king who's declared Hosanna, he has come in majesty, that as he has come in and he is declared, he also exits to leave on the same way, the same route that would have taken him out past where he was crucified, where he was buried, and back out to Bethany. And so you get this beautiful bookend of the suffering of Jesus and the power of his resurrection and the glory of his ascension that he enters from Bethany through the road into the temple gate. He leaves in the same way. Now, we don't know for sure, but we don't get a same you know, triumphal exit story, right? We don't have a story in scripture that says, and the people gathered and the crowd was there as he left Jerusalem and went up to ascension. We don't think that happens because we haven't seen that in God's word, but how crazy is it that he comes in and people have heard of all his miracles and so they rejoice and they're laying down their coats and palm branches and Hosanna to the king who has come in the name of the Lord. But then after he dies and is resurrected, like I'm thinking that's the party, right? Like here he is, we think he's coming, he's conquering, he's the king, but it seems like a much more subdued affair as he leaves the city. It's his followers, just his close people who leave with him. And we could dive into why that's true, but I just thought it was interesting. Because I don't know if we can really decide why that's so important, but it it seems as if as the people wanted the conquering king who would kick out the Romans. But Jesus proves that he is the king, not over just the Roman Empire, but over sin, death, and the devil. Well, that doesn't seem as important as this earthly power. But here he is, he walks in from Bethany into the Temple Mount, and he exits and returns to Bethany to ascend. Now, what's great about this story is then what you get in the book of Acts is also written by Luke, who's writing this book, is that he gives us this look, but then in the book of Acts, we see that Jesus ascends and then everyone's waiting. Which like, to their credit, if I watch someone return up into the heavens, I'm not leaving real quick. Because usually my brain's going, there's gravity. So I'm waiting, is he coming back down? Is he coming at speed? Is is, Is he flying? What's going on? But here... Jesus ascends and everyone stays because they're going, yeah, we know the power of Jesus. So we'll wait, he's coming back. So much so that God sends angels, his messengers who show up and basically go, shoo, like get going. He's not coming back. Just go, go. Like, you know what to do. And so the ascension is this moment where the people who have followed Jesus, who've seen him risen, who have spent time with him, watch him ascend into heaven And then are told, okay, it's time. Because right before this, he has promised, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. And the ascension can teach us some very important things. And the first piece comes off this verse from his crucifixion. From John 19, when he had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. 
The Greek here is the word to telestai. It is finished. What I love about the ascension is that Jesus understands who we are. And he knows we're going to need to hear it more than once. So on the cross, he says, it is finished. In the grave and walking out resurrected, he goes, it's finished. And then he ascends into heaven. And this is the exclamation point that he's going, no, it's done. You don't need me here with you because I am with you always. Because the exclamation point of the ascension, the reason as Jesus leaves that we can rejoice is he's saying what I have done is finished. When I am saying I am with you always, I need you to understand that you're going to think that that seems strange that I'm not physically standing next to you, but I have to leave because it's done. You're going to keep looking and thinking, well, could I possibly be rescued? Could Jesus possibly love me this much? He loves us enough that he goes, I'm leaving. It's done. Stop worrying about it. That the first thing the ascension does for us is it teaches us that when God said it is finished through his son, Jesus, he meant it. You don't leave if there's still something you plan to do. So when Jesus leaves, he goes, I did it. It's done. You're going to keep asking me saying, well, what about this, Jesus? What about that? And I'm like, don't worry. It's taken care of. So when he leaves, it is an exclamation point on his mission to say what I have come to do to dwell amongst you, to bring you good news, to save you from your sin, I've finished it. Just like I came at an appointed time, so too I leave at an appointed time. So the ascension teaches us that it is well and truly finished. What else does it teach us? Let's look at this scripture. Also from the book of John. Earlier in Jesus' ministry, he says this, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When Jesus comes, it is the physical incarnation of God in human, which means that he cannot be everywhere at once. Because to be both God and man means that he is physically restricted to wherever he is. So he is saying, listen, when I go, the physical restriction is done. Now we could get really deep into what this means about the Trinity and Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And okay, isn't God still everywhere at once? Yes, but I need you to look at just the words of Jesus here that he's saying, listen, I need to leave so that you can be blessed. I have to go because the helper will be with you. Listen, I would give anything that in the next week as I'm sitting working or drinking a coffee, that someone would sit down next to me physically and it would be Jesus. 
and I could just sit and talk and physically see him and be with him, I would give anything for that. But what he has told us is, listen, I know you long for that. And there's a day coming when he returns when we will have that. We will walk with him as in the garden. But he says, listen, I'm sending you a helper. The ascension reminds us that the spirit of God dwells in us. Yesterday at men's breakfast, we were going through Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Right? And there's a point where he says, he makes me to dwell in green pastures. That's right, right? Dwell in green pastures? Thank you, Martin. <laughs> Sometimes you get going in a sermon and you go, oh, that verse, did I get it right? But that idea of dwell... as was looked up as we were sitting at the table, is the Hebrew idea of tabernacle. The tabernacle being the temple where God dwelt as the people were on the move. To tent, right? At the Mount of Transfiguration, when they all go up, um, the disciples say, let us build tents for us all to stay here. Well, they're talking about the tabernacle. What they know, this I mean, imagine glamping on steroids, right? This is a tent of all tents. And so it is the place, the tabernacle, where God's spirit dwells. So when we look at Psalm 23, it says, he makes me to dwell. He sets up a tabernacle. He builds me this place where I can be. And when we look at John 1:14, which says, and he came and dwelt amongst us, the Greek there is also the Greek for he tabernacled. He built a home. He stayed here among us. And so when now we look, when Jesus ascends, he goes, before that, he says, you know, here in John, he says, listen, I got to leave. And the reason I got to leave is because my spirit, my helper is going to tabernacle in you. The spirit of God on high, when you are baptized, dwells in you. Now, our struggle is we think we got to keep inviting him in, right? Now, you can be mad at me for this. If you love this song, I apologize. If not, okay. But there's a song that we used to sing here at Narrative, I mean, like a long time ago. But the line is, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Now, we stopped singing it, and you can blame that on, on me. And the reason we stopped singing it, because I was like, are we going to like not welcome the Spirit here? Like, is there a point where we're like, Holy Spirit, please exit now, right? Like, that's not what we're gonna do. The Holy Spirit is actually wherever we are going. One of my dad's favorite songs is this old newsboy song. And it's like, I was at a retreat with him a couple weeks ago, and we were supposed to share some music that had greatly affected us in our lives. And my dad's like, the newsboys. And I'm like, you're so old. And he's incredible, I love him. But this story, uh, this song is wherever we go, that's where the party's at. And if you met my dad, you'd be like, of course this would be your favorite song. But the idea is when Jesus ascends, he sends, see how I did that? He sends the Holy Spirit to us. That now in our baptisms, when John 
The Baptist said, there is one who is coming who will baptize not just with water, but with fire. He's talking about that Holy Spirit. Now, I think sometimes in our lives, we allow junk and build up and residue of the world around us to start stamping out how we hear the Spirit. And so sometimes we go, God, where are you? And so we start thinking, I gotta do some things. I gotta seek some things. But we come back to that idea that he dwells. He tabernacles in us. We're looking everywhere to go, but the ascension tells us, no, 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 I left and he's here. That if you are ever curious going, but could the spirit dwell in me? With water and his word, he sealed that on you. The Spirit dwells in you. It's not something that you have to go out and try and be the greatest Bible scholar, that you have to try and go out and be the greatest Christian mystic, that you have to go out and say, if only I pray for two hours every morning. No, it is waking up and going, Lord, you are here, show me. In my life in the past six months, that idea of peace that passes understanding pops up a lot. I kept going, I want that. Give me that peace. I was like a little child. Give me more. Give me more. I kept going, how do I do this? As I'm reading scripture, it hits me one morning. I'm searching for it. And I already have it. I'm trying to figure out what's the equation for me to get more peace in my life. And God goes, stop looking. It's here. And the ascension is the declaration to us that the Spirit is here and dwelling inside of us. The ascension is an exclamation point on the end of the mission of Jesus. It is a blessing to his people that the Spirit will come to dwell inside of them. And then it is this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. God invites us to be a part of his mission. From the youngest kid in the kids' corral, <laughs> to those of us reaching the twilight of our days, he invites us and he says, listen, you don't just have to sit. In fact, where you are going, I've already gone. And in fact, when I ascend, I am sending you out. And here's the great thing. We look and we go from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the end of the earth. And we think, I have to go on some mission to the end of the earth. I have to be sent out to go. And some of you might be. But do you want to know why people were from Jerusalem to Samaria to the end of the earth? It wasn't because they were sitting around going, we got to figure out this holy way to start a missionary journey. It was because they were being persecuted and they fled. And in their fleeing, God used them to spread the message of Jesus wherever they went. And I love the idea of witnesses because sometimes we think I have to have every answer. I have to know everything. But what does a witness do? A witness says, this is what I saw. What Jesus is calling you to is not that you have to be the greatest apologist, that you have to be the one with all the knowledge. He's saying, listen, you see me in your life, just tell people that. 
Let me worry about the rest of it. You are my witnesses. So the ascension is the exclamation point of the mission. It is the blessing of the Holy Spirit upon us and it is the sending that wherever you go, that's where the party's at. Wherever you go, God is with you. And in fact, there is purpose wherever you are. One of the greatest pieces of theology and doctrine that our church body has that I fall more and more in love with the older I get is this idea of what we call vocation. And vocation is just saying, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. If you're a parent, if you're a sibling, if you're a coworker, whatever you are, do it for the glory of God. The ascension says, wherever you are going, do it for the glory of God. It is finished. You are blessed with the power of the Holy Spirit. And you are sent to be lights into the world, to encourage, to love, and to declare the good news of the one who has come for you. And one day, again, he will come because that's the promise of the ascension. That's how it ends. Is that he will come again one day Let's pray. Lord, may your ascension be joy in our lives. May we rejoice as you have said it is finished. Lord, when we are weary and worried, remind us that you left, not because you left us alone, but because you didn't have to do any more. You accomplished it. It is done. We are forgiven. May your Holy Spirit dwell in us richly. Lord, may we not simply say, I have to do more to get more spirit. May we sit back and realize we live with him. That he has dwelt, he has tabernacled in us. And may we see ourselves as a sent people, to be witnesses, to declare the good news of what Jesus has done in us and through us and for us. May the ascension be a shining beacon in our lives that God is good.